This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big 8 tournament champion. Middle school basketball coaching legend and Duke basketball shooting coach in his mind, Austin Orman. Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, on air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Hour two on the block presented to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. Check out Charles and his crew down at 27th and Pine Lake in Lincoln. Let Charles and his crew fix you a plate of soul food down there in 27th and Pine Lake. Fantastic stuff. Uh, back open tomorrow, I believe, right? Yes, on Wednesday. They will be open. I think um, I may have to go in this week. It's a it's a it's a must. I've been gone too long. I need I need to go in there. Get back to it. Yeah, I need to go in there and say what's up to the fellas and ladies and all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, hour two here on the block. We're talking college basketball. The first segment we'll talk Husker football with uh, Steve Sipple of Early Break with Sip and Jake in about 15, 20 minutes or so. Um, before we get to Blue Bloods, Strick, something we've been wanting to talk about for a minute. Um, some Nebraska basketball potential transfer news. Uh, April 17th through the 19th, so two weeks from now, Nebraska will be hosting uh, a transfer center, John Hugley IV from Pitt. Put up really big numbers for a much-improved Pitt team this year. Uh, just eight games this season. He started six of them uh, before a knee injury. In those eight appearances, uh, eight points and four rebounds a game. But uh, the previous year, 15 points, eight rebounds per game. Solid offensive rebounder, number 89 overall player in the uh, 2020 class. Heard from a lot of teams. He's a really good player, but he's going to be on campus in Lincoln in a couple weeks. I think he has a visit lined up to West Virginia as well. I don't know if I love the idea of him because, as we've talked about, you need more dynamic guard play. Maybe more defense rebounding big man, but it's never a bad thing to have a big guy that can go get you a bucket. Yeah, I'm, I, what I would like to dig into is what changed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's pretty rare for somebody to be a significant contributor unless you just have – you just get into the doghouse with the coach and, you know, that would lead to a situation where your lack of playing time. It could be some off – so those are the things, if you're looking at it, you really want to dig into because mm-hmm. you don't, you don't want to interject into a good chemistry, a good – a group of guys that are on the same page. You don't want to enter in something that uh, could be cancerous to the team's uh, success. So I I would, I would, I would want to know the why behind significant contributor. Is it school related? Is it, you know, attitude? Is it lack of, you know, attention to details and scouting reports. I, I don't know, but it's it's kind of weird to me that somebody that was a significant contributor would drop off like that. Is that something that Fred Hoiberg is calling Jeff Capel about, or how do you get that information? Yeah, you, you definitely you definitely want to have a conversation with the coach, you know, and 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 get a feel for what they think, how they how they how, you know what's 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 your real take on the young man, you know, give me give me give me the give me the full. The full Monty. Is that Fred's job or is that an assistant's job? Um, whoever you have a connection with, maybe? W- well, probably whoever's, you know. Uh, it, I think recruiting, recruiting for the most part, there are there are probably certain recruits, recruits that Fred is very engaged in. 
Mm-hmm. Um, recruiting usually is a is a touch point. It's um, it's a coach sees something, likes something, fits what the uh, you know the team needs, or it's in line with with uh, what the team is trying to do. That that person's skill set, and so it's a touch point. You like him, okay? Let me let me get a little bit of background on him. Let me find out a little bit of information. Coach, you need to come see him once you got eyes or put video in front of him. Okay, yeah, I could see it. I understand what, what what you see. Once you guys are good with that, then Fred may get involved or the coach continues that process and digs deeper. But there's a touch point. There's there there's there's some initial stages that go on first before you really start to get into the weeds on what 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 the person is really about. Gotcha. So that's a look at some Nebraska basketball recruiting. Looking national again, Strick. UConn wins the national championship last night. They win it by double digits. They win every game in the tournament by double digits. Does that make them a blue blood? Were they already a blue blood? <clears throat> so um, it's debatable, and some are, are saying. Some some believe, uh, some pundits believe that um, this would solidify them in blue blood status now. Um What's this? This is their second in what? They won it in 11, 14, and now this year. Yeah. So in, in 10 years. Um, they, they, you know, some people believe that. Um, the, the question is, is how do you label a blue butt? <laughs> you know, that's going to come down to the question. Is it history? Is it tradition? Is it championships? Is it, you know, appearances? Is it deep runs? What, what is it? What is the criteria that would do that? Um, you know, right now when we look at it, uh, North Carolina was preseason number one, definitely a blue blood program. Duke was number four. Then you had uh, K- no Kentucky was number four. Duke was number seven, and Villanova was number sixteen. Those are the so so Kansas UCLA. They weren't they they I mean they were, but I'm saying this is what the ranks were for yeah, these. Partic- gotcha. But it's it's it. This year it was like uh 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 Alabama got there, been there, dropped one, Purdue. They they're not blue blood programs, <laughs> so they kind of were just doing you know uh, a circle up there. But North Carolina fell off the off the wagon. Kentucky dropped to the middle mid- mediocre mid tier. Uh, Duke still trying to figure out after the loss of uh, one of the greatest coaches of all time, and Coach K. And uh, Villanova, Jay, you know, Jay Wright was a tremendous coach. Um, they're still trying to figure it out. It's tough when you lose a good coach because the recruiting changes. Yes, they believe in Jay Wright, but I don't know you. Right. <laughs> That's what you have to overcome when you're in a blue blood program. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that was the one thing, you know, Shaka Smart had to deal with. Shaka Smart got outside of his, his flow, his, his, you know, his plane, Got down in the big, the big state of Texas. Everything's big in Texas. That's mm-hmm. what they say. And got his tail handed to him a little bit. <laughs> so ran back home to Marquette. Ran back home. Worked to out Marquette. very well for him. So it worked far. out. Worked out. And so that's what I'm saying. It, it's like, like I still, I still could see, not see Greg McDermott leaving. I think to me, Greg McDermott is the the blueprint that I talked about. On one on a coach that just gets into a program, solidifies it to another level, and you you can stay there for until you're ready to walk out out the door on your own. Mm-hmm. 
You know, sure. him making this run is another is just another ring that extends him probably another ten years. I mean, that's just that's right. just that's just how it is. Um, I'm hoping Fred can get get something started, and reju- rejuvenated, and re- revamped, restarted, whatever you want to say. Um, but shout out to Hurley. He's got a he's got a family coaching. That's history. a blue blood family. That's a family. Right That's a family. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been doing it from high school, and you know, obviously Seton Hall, and mm-hmm. yeah. But I'm 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 proud that he's able able to get it done. And uh, the parody though is just one of the things that's going to be something to watch. Is this a new trend? Sauter Heyman text line four zero two four six four five six eight five. Is this a new trend? Are we going to see more tournaments like this in the future? Let's get into that in just a sec. I have this to say about UConn as a blue Break blood. Break it. As a fan of a, a blue blood program in Duke, yeah. you're not arguing that. They're there. Yeah. They're cemented. And I'm not just going to say this as an elitist. Snob my nose up at anyone else. Because on the text line, someone says, yeah, five titles since 1999 for UConn with three different head coaches. They're definitely a blue blood. I understand that argument. Five titles in that span is the most of anyone. Duke and Carolina each have three since then. That's a definite bullet point in favor of them. They've been to a lot of NCAA tournaments. They've mm-hmm. racked up a lot of wins. Jim Calhoun, underrated mm-hmm. coach, mm-hmm. really good. In the years that UConn didn't win a national championship, so the 20 years from their first one in 04 to this year, from those 20 years, Strick, they missed the tournament nine out of 20 times. Mm. They missed the tournament nine years out of 20. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen to the Blue Blood. Coaching turnover, conference change, I don't care. If you're a blue blood, you make the tournament. Guess who didn't miss the tournament in that stretch? Kansas didn't. Duke didn't. Carolina didn't. Outside of the COVID year, of course. Kentucky had an embarrassing NIT appearance. Made up for it with a national championship. Is Indiana? Indiana has the the cachet. They're not a blue blood of my generation, but long term, probably. I mean, UConn has an argument with five national championships. That has to be taken into account. But you don't miss the tournament that frequently. Yeah. The standard's got to be high to be a blue blood. I, I, I like it. What you think? Uh, Sutter Hammond text line, I mean, does the standard need to be high? 402-464-5685. I'm still, I'm still at a loss for just looking at blue blood programs and trying to figure out what the criteria is. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm just kind of stumped. I'm just like, hmm. Well, how, how do you get there? There's so many ways. There's so many metrics that you can do that. I feel um, like so. you know it when you see it. Because if you're going to set a statistical standard for what a blue blood is, you're going to leave some good programs off. You're going to bring some questionable programs in. If you set a, a statistical benchmark for making the Hall of Fame, you get 2,200 hits, you bat 270 for your career, you're a Hall of Famer. No, you're going to get some not Hall of Fame players in there. So then why isn't UNLV a blue blood? UNLV had one run. <laughs> That's why they're called the Running Rebels? I guess, yeah. <laughs> Just so, that Larry Johnson crew, basically. It, essentially, that, that yes. So then why isn't Arizona? Arizona is close, but not a lot of national championships to show for it. Okay. You can be a really good program, and yeah. I'm not saying that Arizona's not. Fantastic program. Have yeah. a lot of basketball success. A basketball school. Not on Kentucky's level. Is that an eye test thing? I think to some degree it has to be. Uh-huh. Because when you say Arizona, you think, oh, that's a really good basketball program. 
but they don't come to mind first. Right. Someone tells you to name a college basketball program. If they're not in your first five, maybe six programs that you list, to me, they're not a blue blood. Hmm. Okay. Louisville, then, no. No. Again, really good program. Close. Basketball school, not a blue blood. Okay. I like it, Austin. I like it. Uh, Nolan says, come on, man. Five national championships is so hard to do. Hell yes, they are a blue blood. UConn is the most opportunistic postseason team of my lifetime. They have maximized their appearances. It's incredible what they've done. Um, <laughs> UConn, I think, needs the reputation that, that Tom Izzo and, and Jim Beheim have. Oh, they do more with less. They get to March. They're dangerous. UConn gets to March. It's a dangerous team. Between Well, the men's program has never lost in the Final Four in the national championship game. What did you say their record was? You you mentioned that yeah. on the break. Break that down. The UConn men are five. Listen to this, listeners. Blockheads, this is crazy. This number for both the men's and the women's program at UConn is crazy. Go ahead. The UConn men are 5-0 and in national championship games. The UConn women are 11-1 and in national championship games. 17 national championship appearances for UConn as a school. Only one loss. That's incredible. That's that's absolutely sick. Basically, if you're UConn, just get there, baby. Do whatever you got to do to get there. If you just get there, you are looking at great percentages of winning that thing. So I'll, I'll kind of phrase it this way, too. As a Royals fan, what the Royals did in 2014, 2015 was fun. They made it to a World Series. They won a World Series. They made it to the 1980 World Series. They won the 85 World Series. They weren't in the postseason outside of that in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Royals aren't blue blood, even though they have more World Series championships, you know, since 2010 than the Yankees do. When did the freaking Boston Red Sox break through? Because they've been cursed forever. Mm-hmm. When did they break through? Are they are they are they that type of program now? I think they're back up there. They 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 mm-hmm. spread them out enough, and we're in the postseason enough. But again, Boston has that historical cachet. But think about how bad some of those teams were. It <laughs> should were never get. It should so never, long. never get that bad. New England, blue blood. New England was horrible. Yeah, but now they're the bluest of blue bloods in the NFL. Yeah, outside of Boston Celtics, they. I used to remember them wearing the bags with the tears <laughs> on their face. <laughs> that was just a sad time. When you, remember you had the the little Patriot dude with the you know uh, like he was the center trying yeah, to hide. Yeah, the, the, that that was the ugliest uniforms so in. Bad. in in the history, I think, of football. Outside of the Cleveland Browns, some of their stuff is doo-doo brown. I mean, mm-hmm. well, no pun intended. Right. But that is crazy when I think about how ugly some of these units. Sauter Heyman text line, talk to your boy Strick right now, 402-4645. Who had the ugliest football uniforms in your mind of all time? Who had the ugliest basketball uniforms of all time in your mind? And who has the ugliest? I want to know. Talk to your boy, 402-464-5685. I really want to know because I, I I can't put it all together in my head. That just popped up, but I want to know some more. Okay. Uh, Nolan on the text line says, think about it like this. Nebraska has never won a single game in the big dance. UConn has had five national championships. What does that have to do with this conversation? We're not do? comparing UConn to Nebraska. Not at all. We're comparing UConn to Kentucky, UConn to Duke, UConn to Kansas, UConn to UCLA. That's the conversation. It's a different, different That's conversation. Oh yeah, I don't know what where Nebraska came into that. To be honest, it, Mississippi Mud Dog says this Nebraska football a blue blood. You want to hear me say it? 
I don't know. I'm too close to the situation. Yeah. I don't know. Of course I would tell you Nebraska football is a blue blood because I'm a Nebraska fan. Is I would that for say, me to judge? I would say, you, you know, looking at the history, but, man, it's just been, ugh. It's been ugly for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Oklahoma is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they've kept the they've kept the moxie, you know what I mean. But see, is Texas? See, Hard so so te- you got to put Texas in the same category as Nebraska, and I think personally, Nebraska's had more success than Texas overall. Historically, absolutely. Historically, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. but By Texas far. is considered that up there, yeah, mm-hmm. which is to me crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dirty Tony says Casey is a blue blood simply because of the impact they had in the Negro lead Negro league and MLB. There's no question. Casey has blood throughout all of baseball as we know it now. Again, different conversation, different conversation. We're talking about the Royals. Trust me. I know the Kansas city baseball history, that Negro league museum, eye opening, mm-hmm. incredible Kansas city, the town, absolutely baseball royalty, the Royals themselves. Absolutely not. Mm. Again, think about the teams we're actually trying to compare. Think about what the standard is for those teams. I need some ugly uniforms. Who else has some <laughs> ugly uniforms? Um, uh, 80s Bucks and 80s Nuggets. The 80s Bucks the cream were sickle. horrible. Yes. <laughs> the super reindeer looking ones. Oh, those were horrible. <laughs> Great call. Who, who was that? Uh, Eric. Eric, yes. Nuggets too. Yes. Bucks. Okay, tell me. So I remember the new ones that they. I remember when they shifted. But what did the old ones look like? The old Buccaneers. What? What did they? They had the like little. The, oh, they had the thing in the mouth. They had the like guy with the with the knife in the mouth, like a pirate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, those are terrible, yeah. horrible. They was ugly. Oh yeah. Ugly. Yeah, those are terrible, terrible, terrible uniforms. Great call. Eric, you went in on that one. Good call, good call. Uh, Husker 52 says Wyoming. Disgusting with the uh, the brown and the yellow. Oh, that is too. <laughs> it looks like like I came out of uh, the brass rail on a bad <laughs> night and just on the sidewalk with them uniforms. Yeah, that was horrible. Um, The Pirates. Ooh. Like the, the old The old like the pirate with the big P with the stripe. Ooh. Yeah, pinstripe hat. This word. Ooh, yeah, I remember those. But that was when Willie Stargell and them played. I remember mm-hmm. those. Yeah, those were terrible. Yep. Uh, we're getting some, some comments for alternates, and I think there are so many bad alternates, but I think we're asking more, like, every day, like, standard uniforms, right? Because yeah. there are so many bad alternates we go on. Oh, yeah, the alternates. Yeah, the alternates. Some alternates are horrible. But, yeah. The steel, steel. I, I always thought the Steelers were kind of cool. I, this person said the uh, the Steelers alternates. Oh, the alternates. Yeah, no. No alternates for me. Padres were horrible. I don't like the brown and yellow. That brown and yellow just does not mesh for me. What about those real bold colored Philly uniforms back in the day? The powder blue ones? Yeah. Not not sure. Yeah. You guys are are killing it. Um, You're talking about the Supersonics – Unnamed texture two four two zero. You're talking about the Supersonics with the 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 the, the, the sky needle, and they were just is the green and yellow. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. Let's ask Sip some of his uh, yeah. least favorite uniforms. We'll uh, step aside. We'll get uh, Steve Sipple's thoughts on worst uniforms and Husker football after this. 